0: So, y'all ready? We are going to be going to a place, we're going to start in Revelation, we're going to take a break from the Gospel of John today. We'll be back in John next week. We finished John 7 last time, we're picking up in John 8. John 8 is all about forgiveness. That's next Sunday. Anybody need forgiveness? Oh yeah. So that's next Sunday. I think you're going to be finding yourself in a place of great hope today. So you ready? We're going to start there, look at a few different passages, but I have a very, very short video to show you first. So let us turn our attention to the video, and we'll kill the lights. If my clicker works. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, watch therefore... For you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... seen that video so many times, and I jump every time. Sometimes I sat in my office and watch it, I jump. I play it again, I jump. It's like every time I keep jumping. (laughs) So what was happening there, what was portrayed in that video is something called the rapture. Some people believe it's taught in the Bible. Some people believe it is not taught in the Bible. But we're going to see what the Bible actually does say and what the Bible does not say about it. Um, In a nutshell, it's the time when believers are caught up to meet The Lord in the air. It's a it's a time it's a generation of believers in Christ that do not die. And the dead that are in Christ, those that you know that have died, that love Jesus, that are in the grave, they're gonna rise up, and then there's a generation that's gonna that's not gonna die, that's gonna rise up with them. It sounds kind of like a fairy tale. It's quite frankly, um I've taught on the subject many times. I've never taught on this on Sunday mornings. Do you know that? Never. I've mentioned it, never taught about it, um, but I, I look at it, and as well as I understand Bible prophecy and this subject, I'm going to admit, the rapture is a really weird thing. Yeah. And, and, and if you, you can look at it and go, well, this really sounds like a fairy tale. I'll admit, it sounds like a fairy tale. It kind of sounds like a tr- Star Trek thing, too, where your body gets translated, and it suddenly ends up in heaven. Kind of all this weird stuff going on. So what does the Bible actually say about it? Is it actually true? Is it strange? Yes, it's very strange. It's never happened before. Uh, not like this. And, uh, and is it going to happen? Well, let's see what the Bible says. So with that, we're going to start in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And then we're going to look at just two other passages. They're all short. Um, but, well, actually, let me start here. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. This is what we, he- we-, we read. Blessed is the one, chapter 1, verse 3 of Revelation, blessed is the one who reads and those who hear uh, the words of this prophecy and those who keep the words which are written it for the time is near. What's going on? Revelation chapter 1 is so cool. It's the only book of the Bible that promises a blessing to those who read this book. To those who read the book of Revelation, blessed are you if you read it, Blessed are you if you hear it, in other words, if somebody else is teaching it, or you're just going through the Bible, you are blessed to read it by God. He promises a special blessing to read it, to listen to it, and to listen to teaching about it, and to those who keep the words of the prophecies that are written in the book of Revelation. I think that is so cool. It's one of the reasons why I get so excited about Bible prophecy, and why I teach it so often throughout the week, because... I know there's a blessing for everybody else that listens, but because I'm going through it, I get all kinds of blessings. It's great. It might be a little selfish, but that's the way I am. But that's so cool. But in that, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, this one verse, the Apostle John, he's got visions from angels throughout the book of Revelation, and he says this, chapter 4, verse 1, After these things I looked. After what things? Okay. In chapter 1, chapter 1 of the book of Revelation is the history of the Jews and of Jesus and his revelation to them. Chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation are where we are right now. It's the church age, like you just watched on the video. People are sitting in a church. All of a sudden, the church age, as we know it, is going to end. Something is going to end. It's known as the time of grace or the time of the Gentiles. So after these things, when church as we know it is no longer church as we know it. So after these things, John writes, I looked and behold, I saw a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, so he's got this trumpet voice, come up here and I will show you Things which must take place after this. So, this is how it unfolds. Chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, Jewish history. Chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, church history. What is happening right now? After this, thing, after this come up here, you hear the trumpet noise, and let me show you what takes place after the church age, as we know it today, is done. What comes afterwards? The Antichrist, the Great Tribulation, uh, the judgments that are coming upon the world, that sort of thing. So what is the next thing that is on the calendar that would take place after the church age? I believe the very next thing to take place and actually signals the church age, the end of the church age, is what is commonly referred to as the rapture of the church. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to answer four questions. One of them is, what is uh, the rapture? Is the word rapture in the Bible? Um, Who goes up in the rapture? Isn't that good to know? Uh, And and when is the rapture going to take place? So four simple questions. Uh, Let's begin. First question is this. What is the rapture? I'll give you a real simple definition. Uh, The rapture is the gathering of believers into heaven with Christ. And the translation of their bodies into something beautiful and astounding. Now, this is how I see things. I look at my body and I think to myself, I need something beautiful and astounding. Because right now it's astounding, but it's astounding for whole, whole different <laughs> types of reasons. I'm looking forward to that day. Um, you know, some people look in the mirror and they say, "Wow, I am looking good." Others are like me. Um, <laughs> chapter fifteen, verse fifty of of uh, First uh, uh, Corinthians. Turn there with me. And I'm going to show you this. Please turn there. Excuse me. let turn there. Please turn there. First uh, Corinthians, chapter fifteen, verse fifty. And only only one more passage after this one. And this is going to really start to help us comprehend what the Bible says and what it doesn't say. A lot of things out there about the rapture, the Bible does not say. You ready? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. The Apostle Paul is writing, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. In other words, our bodies need to be translated, need to be changed if we're going to go to heaven. That's what he's saying here. Our bodies are corrupt. We ain't going to be in heaven with this body. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's what I say. Behold, verse 51, I tell you a mystery. So Paul's acknowledging, this is a mystery. This is hard to understand. What's going to happen? It doesn't make any sense. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. The term sleep, as is used there, meaning die. We will not all die. In other words, when it comes to believers in Christ, there's a generation that is not going to die. He says, we will not all die, but he says this, we shall all be changed. So in other words, those who have died in Christ, you have loved ones, friends that have died in Christ, they're in the grave now. If the rapture were to happen tonight at 530, right after I finish my tri-tip, not before, But right after, then those who have died in Christ will rise up, and we will rise up, and we will all be changed. Translated, we're going to get our new bodies because we need a new body. Again, some of you don't think so, but that's all right. Some people just look better than others. Uh, Verse 52, when will it happen? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Or how will it happen? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's super, super fast. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. I need that. I I find the older I am getting, the more corrupted my corrupt body is. My dad's going to be 88 here pretty soon. And he complains a lot about all of his aches and pains. My mom's eyesight, she's almost blind. The older, the older we get, some of you are thinking, yeah, I know. Listen, you might be thinking I'm young. I know, at 37, I don't look <laughs> that young. But you know what? You know, I'm starting to really feel it at my age. I have no doubt that some people are going to say, there's no way he's 37. Really? No way. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm old enough to have a 37-year-old, but I'm not 37, <laughs> um, and a 38-year-old, 40, anyway, stop. Um, but I, I find it with my body, I, I'm taking less and less calories in all the time. It doesn't matter anymore. It's like, I don't, you, you know, you look at food, right? It's like you try to starve, you go on, your, on the starvation diet, and you step on the scale, you're still the same. It's like, Whatever. So I need a new body. Um, the, the, the midsection, the donut is always growing in the middle, even if I don't eat any donuts. And some people, seriously, they, they've got their, their bodies are racked with cancer. And uh, they've got all kinds of um, challenges, heart disease, car accidents that have ruined them, injuries of all sorts. We need a new body. We need new brains. And there is that time coming. When, uh, when we're going to get it. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, oh. And then in heaven. Uh, we can eat all we want. And, and still look good. Praise the Lord. And not go to the gym. Uh, number two. Uh, is the word rapture in the Bible? Well think of it like this. Not directly. Uh, the word trin- trinity for example. Is not in the Bible. However. Is the concept of the Trinity taught in the Bible? Yes, it is. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The word rapture could fall into that same category. You aren't going to look in the concordance of the Bible and find the word rapture anywhere in there. But is the concept of the rapture taught in the Bible? Well, let's turn this last passage. uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just turn to the right, not too far, and you will be there if you're like me, just keep turning and turning until you get there. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it appears the concept of the rapture is taught here. And we'll see if the word is in here also. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. The Apostle Paul said, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So what's he talking about there? Like 1 Corinthians, sleep would translate as died here. I do not want you to be ignorant about those who have died. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians said, there's a mystery I want to tell you about. Here he tells you, don't be ignorant about this. I'm going to teach you. There's people that have died. And also... He says this, you do not have to sorrow as those who have no hope. We have hope. When I have done funeral services for a person that that people don't know the Lord, the congregation didn't know the Lord, and the person who died didn't know the Lord, it is the saddest funeral in the world to do. And granted, when I do funerals for someone who did know the Lord, there is a sadness. Death hurts. But the believer doesn't have to sorrow the same way because we have a hope. And the hope is, man, we're going to be home in heaven. We're going to be reunited forever and ever and ever, never to be separated. So Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. This is how it's going to go down. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, check this out, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who are asleep or those who have died. So he's saying, okay, there's some who are here alive and there's some who have died. He's talking about a particular moment still in the future. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. They're coming out of the graves. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Wow! That is so cool. That is so comforting. There is coming a time, a generation of believers who will not die. Just like the video portrayed. At least that's what appears to be taught in this passage. Is that what is taught here? Okay. Regarding this term, the rapture, the Apostle Paul says this, uh, verse 17, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Those who have died in Christ and then those who are alive, caught up. We're going to be caught up, right? The term caught up comes from this Greek word harpazo, and it means a strong, irresistible force to pluck, to pull, to seize. It's like Jesus is just going to, he's going to pick you up. You don't have to be on a trampoline or anything. He's going to pull you right up. But you still might say, well, preacher, man, the word rapture is still not in the Bible. Harpazo is. I see the Greek word. Say caught up is, if I have a Greek Bible, it's going to say harpazo. Um, Where does the word rapture come from? Well, here's the deal. Rapture is from the Latin term rapier. Latin translation of caught up is rapier, and that translates into our English word rapture. And so rapture is the common word we use in English for this, what's described as a catching up to meet the Lord in the air. So this event could be called the great harpazo, uh, the catching up, the rapture or the rapture. So, with that, the, the, the rapture, maybe the word's not there, but the teaching of it is taught. It appears it's there in the Bible. So, question number three, you ready? We'll do question number three. Question number four is when? We'll see that. Question number three is who goes up in the rapture? I'm going. I hope, I hope you're going too. <laughs> it's like, uh, you hope you're going too, even if, believe me, even if you don't get it, you're, you're going to hope you're going. Um, seriously, all who are born again in Christ Jesus, all who are part of the kingdom of Christ will be going up. Uh, I'll give you a few different sam- examples here in a minute of arguments that people have against me on this or against this subject. We'll get to that in a minute, but one of the, the arguments about the rapture is this. It's called... The partial rapture theory. And what the partial rapture theory does is it says, there are some who are going to go up in the rapture, and there's some who are going to not go up in the rapture, and both are believers in Christ. Like this side of the room is going up. No, wait a minute. This side's going up, and that side's not. Wouldn't that be a bummer? Oh, I want me to reverse it. This side's going up, and that side's not, not going up. Uh, sorry, that doesn't work that way. But that's essentially what is taught, uh, and it's based upon this. Um, the people who proclaim the partial rapture theory say the rapture is only going to take place for those who are watching and ready. That would be a bummer. I'm a prophecy teacher. So I am always watching and ready. So if the rapture takes place and that was true, I'd say, too bad, so sad, see you all later. (laughs) So that wouldn't wouldn't quite be fair, would it? God has called me to teaching that subject, so that type of thing around the second coming of Christ. So, So that's... That's wrong. That's not what it teaches. Also, there's some who say this with the partial rapture theory, that, well, only those who are perfectly good and holy and right are going to be caught up in the rapture. The rest are not. So how many of the perfectly good, holy, and right are going up? One, two, three, and four. So four people are going up. Oh, five, sorry. (laughs) I guess the longer I sit here, the more perfect the holy people I'll find out there. But I don't know, uh, just me, I thought Jesus was the only one that was perfect and holy. But anyways, if you want to make that claim for yourself, um, listen, it, I had a friend once that told me, he goes, I'm really worried that I'm going to totally blow it in the morning and the rapture is going to come in the evening and I'm not going up in the rapture. <laughs> so it's that kind of thought. Listen, I, I don't think that the partial rapture theory works. I don't think it's even biblical. Listen, the partial rapture theory undervalues... The death of Christ on the cross by saying some who have received his salvation aren't really acceptable to God. Well, we know you have received Christ, you repented of your sin, but that's not good enough for you. So you ain't going to make it. Um, the Bible says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. All of us are in the unjust category, right? And we're just by Christ, uh, that he might bring us to God. And we ain't going to be bringing ourselves to God, right? Uh, one more reason for the partial rapture theory or that I, that I don't agree with it is that it contradicts the completeness of the resurrection of believers. But uh, listen, the, um, uh, the Bible says, behold, we already saw this passage. Paul writes, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we're not all going to die. There's a generation that's not going to die of believers. But we shall all be changed in a moment how many is all we shall all be changed not well you know i didn't really like that guy as much as you so you're going up and your friend's not no we're, we're it's because of christ that we are saved right so we will all be changed when in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. Woohoo! and I need that change. Uh, the partial rapture theory is kind of like this. You're going to LAX, and you made a wrong turn. You blew it, and uh, you didn't make it to the airport on time, and you got to sit there and wait for the next flight out. Wouldn't that be a bummer? So, but that's not what the Bible teaches. We're not waiting on a 747 from American Airlines. Right? This is Jesus, and the trumpet is going to sound. Last question. And it's all. All who trust in Christ Jesus. Last question is this. Uh, when will the rapture occur? Um, I think I already mentioned this. After I have my tri-tip tonight. <laughs> I was planning on sunny weather. But I'm going to barbecue that tri-tip anyways, and I'm going to enjoy it. And that's the way it is. Oh, no, I bought something. Oh, no, it's New York steaks tonight. Tri-tips the rest of the year. I've got the New York steaks tonight. You know the Costco ones? Oh, I can't wait. Wait till third service. I'm just going to walk out at this point and go eat. But the rapture is going to occur. Listen, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says, at the last trumpet. 1 Thessalonians, the trumpet sound. Like the voice of an archangel. Uh, Revelation chapter 4, remember, John hears a voice like a trumpet. It is going to be at the sound of a trumpet. That's- can't have fun in church. I mean, come on, can you? Some people are going to send me emails saying, you're so unholy, Pastor Tom. <laughs> Say, you have no idea how much fun I like to have. And uh, I mean, or, good, praise for Lord. My only concern is that it might get too, we had to keep the volume. I didn't want anybody to have a, a, like a pass out or something. That would have been a bummer. But there's, much, uh, there's a lot of debate when the rapture is going to take place, actual day or the hour. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Jesus said that. But he gave us signs in the Bible. Uh, t- he tells us to watch and be ready. And, and he, Jesus himself gave us all kinds of signs. Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. The Old Testament is full of signs. Various places in the New Testament, the entire book of Revelation. It helps us to know uh, we can look at the signs of the, the times that we live in, and we can start to comprehend, uh, what do signs do for us? Signs tell us what's coming, right? Uh, if we see a sign that says curved road, uh, we know there's a curved road. Slow down, we know we need to slow down. We know what is coming. We know, listen, when we see a sign, it's telling us we got to make adjustments. Because you don't want to miss Jesus. And some people need to make adjustments. Um, and uh, you look at the, the things that are going on in this world right now, it appears to me, man, Jesus, this, this is going to happen at any moment. And we need to be ready. But with that, at the, at the same time, um, I, there's a lot of debate on the subject. And, and I have friends. I have relatives. Uh, I have a brother uh, that is a Christian. He believes differently than me on these things. Uh, There's some who are Christian, who go to a Christian church that don't believe that the rapture uh, is taught in the Bible. There's some who say that it's different timing of when the rapture is going to take place. Um, So there's debate on that. Uh, But the bottom line is this. How are we saved? By grace through faith, right? It is only through Jesus Christ. We are not saved based upon our belief in the rapture. We are saved by grace through faith. Now my friends who, who think I'm wrong on the rapture, while I am going up, I'll tell them they've been left behind because of the partial rapture theory. They blew it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll, uh, while we are going up, I will just explain to them, and I'll turn to them and I'll say, I told you so. It's going to happen <laughs> just like I told you it's going to happen. When does it take place? This is what I believe. I believe that when the rapture occurs, when will it occur, the rapture takes place before the start of the seven-year tribulation period. That view is commonly known as the pre-tribulation view. Okay, here it is. So I'm going to break it down into a nutshell as simple as I can and the reason why I believe this. Um, the tribulation period is the is the place that the Bible is the time that the Bible describes as when God judges this planet. It's the time when the Antichrist rises to power. There's a new world order. There's a global government. Uh, all these different events are happening. There's great earthquakes in various places. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. Massive wars are breaking up, pestilence. It happens during the tribulation period. It is a time of judgment that has come upon this planet. But my primary reason for why, and it's a period that lasts a total of seven years, The reason I believe that the rapture takes place before the tribulation begins is because the tribulation period is about the Jewish people. And let me explain to you why. Um, The Bible tells us this. Jesus called the time the great tribulation. In the Old Testament, it's also called the time of Jacob's trouble, that'd be Israel. Um, And it's also called the 70th week of Daniel. Daniel. The tribulation period focuses on the nation of Israel and the Jewish people, not on the church. In fact, in the Bible, what you have during the tribulation period, you have the Jews and you have the unsaved Gentiles that go into the tribulation period. Um, this This is how it breaks down. God had a covenant with the Jews, and that was way back in the book of Genesis. He said, if you disobey me, I will scatter you to the four corners of the earth. But then he also said this. In the last times, in the latter days, I will bring you back into the land of Israel. God called it Israel, by the way. I'll bring you back into the land of Israel. I will give you Jews the city of Jerusalem. I will gather you back. And the purpose for God doing this is called the 70th week of Daniel, or it's the time of Jacob's trouble. God is going to bring salvation to the Jewish people. Another passage that we know this is for the Jewish people is this. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, Daniel's told this by the angel. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. Who are your people? Daniel's Jewish. Who's his people? The Jews, right? What's the holy city? There's only one on the entire planet that God calls holy. It's Jerusalem. It's about Jerusalem. It is about the Jewish people. This is what happens during the tribulation period. This is the whole purpose of the tribulation period. You ready? Two things. One, God in the tribulation, he shakes up the world. Number two, God wakes up a nation. He shakes up the unbelieving Gentile world through all of the the catastrophes that will come upon the planet. That people might turn to God and repent and ask him for forgiveness. He's letting them know. He lets us know ahead of time this is coming. So people will turn to him. But it's a time of God's wrath coming upon the planet. But also, it's a time when God saves the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. It's when he wakes up a nation. The prophet Zechariah was very specific. During the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, the Jews will look upon him whom they pierced, and cry out to him as being their God and their Savior. Who's the one that was pierced? Jesus was pierced, right, when he was hung upon the cross. They will come around, and God will use the tribulation to bring the Jews to him that they might repent. Nowhere during the tribulation period, here it is, do you read that the church, as we know it today, exists. You do not see it. From Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, when John writes, after these things, you never see the church again. All you see is the unbelieving Jews and unbelieving Gentiles throughout the entire tribulation. The the next time you see the church is at the end of the tribulation when Jesus returns with us at Armageddon and he sets up the millennial kingdom. I'm looking forward to that day. I can't wait for that day. If you continue to read 1 Thessalonians you, chapter 4, verse 18, after he talks about being caught up, um, he, you go into chapter 5, and, and the Bible tells us this. Chapter 5, the Bible says, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction. What do we have the people clamoring about right now in the world? Peace and safety. We need peace and safety. Right? You hear all the talk. Well, Donald Trump's going to make sure the guy from Korea brings World War III. Um, you yeah, know, that's what half the group says. The other half says he's the only one that's brought any kind of sanity to the situation. But either way, the world is clamoring for peace and safety. This clamoring will only get louder and louder. And then, it's all in the context of the tribulation period. And then God says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Oops, I have to save that one for third service because I don't have enough time. Sorry. So I just don't have enough time. Sorry. Listen, this is important. The other was just a picture I was going to talk about. First Thessalonians, that's supposed to have a one in front of it. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 9 says, God did not appoint us to wrath. The reason I these are various reasons why I believe the rapture will take place before the tribulation period. That verse right there is in the context of the tribulation period when people cry out for peace and safety, destruction comes upon the planet, but we are not caught unaware. Because we're waiting for the Lord, and he's going to bring us home before the tribulation period begins. In fact, in all of this, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, right? Look at your Bibles. Still got your Bibles open? A lot of you are looking at me like you don't even have a Bible. Listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, right after he says in verse 17, you'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then, verse 18, he says, comfort one another with these words. And then he says in chapter 5, you're not appointed to wrath. What kind of comfort would there be in thinking people are going to be caught up, but it's just a fake story. It's not really going to happen. You're going to go through judgment. That would be a lie from God. God says, comfort one another with these words right after he said, you will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Listen, God is not a liar. Um, I've I've read many different commentaries in fact i was reading an article in new york magazine about three years ago a very well-known christian theologian who said that all the talk about the second coming of christ and the rapture of the church is a lie he said you can't believe these preachers who say this kind of stuff he's, pretty, he's real well known and he said the passages that i showed you today uh first thessalonians chapter four be caught up to meet the lord in there 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the moment of the twinkling of sound, you will be changed. He said those things are just poetic. Uh, they're just poems. They're just made to f- make you feel good and stuff like that. You can't take them literally. Well, at what point do you not take the Bible literally when you decide it doesn't agree with you, right? And what kind of comfort would there be? You're going through the tribulation. You go, oh, Lord, that was a great poem you sent us. Ah, but oh, thank you for the poem. It's a, it doesn't make any sense at all. Listen, this is what the Bible does say, and I'll just conclude with these two scriptures. Paul, the apostle, writes in 2 Timothy, Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. If you loved the thought of the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen, this is what I know. There's a lot of things I, I, I like about this world. Uh, Try tip. New York steaks, friends, family, these things, right? Um, Going to the beach. There's so many things. The mountains, there's so many things. But this world is passing away. And I know this, there's pains that come, the loss of a loved one, and there's heartache, and there's despair, and heaven is so much better. The Apostle Paul said to live as Christ to die is even better, it's gain, I know when we go into the presence of the Lord, it is going to be better than anything we ever imagined. The Apostle Paul is saying, oh man, understand it. Get the right perspective. Enjoy this life. But keep the perspective uh, in the Lord and know this is where you are going. I love the thought of the appearing of the Lord because I am never going to be separated from my loved ones again. And man, heaven's going to be awesome. And then we're told in Titus, That we are to be looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, all of these promises are for those who know Jesus. They're all for those who know Jesus. You don't want to go through the tribulation. You want to know that you are forgiven. You want to know that you have the hope of heaven. I want to encourage you. Today's Father's Day. Enjoy your Father's Day. Eat. Have fun. Have a blast. Spend it with family, spend it with friends, however you're going to spend it. But know that we have a good, good Father in heaven who sent his Son to die for anyone who would believe in him. Because the Bible says that there's no other name under heaven by which we can be forgiven, by which we can be saved, than that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, he loves you. He loves you. We are forgiven. And one day soon, I believe, we are going to be going home.